One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. Now, I need you all for a project. James Jeffrey is a friend of Robert's, is sponsoring Dumpty Dum. He is very nearly as clever as Robert and actually slightly more creative. He builds prototypes for the web and does some amazing things with data for arts and culture. In fact, I may ask him to work on the village website if I can loosen Jennifer's grip on the thing. He's worked with all the best people, you know. The BBC Research and Development team creating interactive story explorers for Homefront and Peaky Blinders. For the London Philharmonic Orchestra creating a prototype of a searchable archive of their historic performances. Once he even built some tweeting receipt printers for a Bill Drummond exhibition. Now that's the kind of innovation we need for the village show. So if you'd like to talk to him about your project idea, you could get in touch with him at Robert, Robert, what's his email address? James at shedcode.co.uk That's James at S-H-E-D-C-O-D-E dot co dot U-K or you could have a browse of his website shedcode.co.uk Do tell him I was looking for him if you see him, won't you? I want him to design me a digital research of stone. Say when. Yeah, when. Now. Right. Don't jump down. This is Dum Dum, the show about the reality docu drama that has centered on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the rogue Christmas card that is Royfield Brown. And with me, I have the treacherous bookcase that is... Lucy Freeman. And the last part of our busted ankle, folks, is you. Now, this week's Dumpty Dum comes from the Dumpty Dum meetup posse who met at the Tyneside Bar Cafe in Newcastle. And mm-hmm. they were all in fine uh, voice. And uh, if you go onto our Facebook page, uh, guess what, Lucy? What? You can see him sing it. <laughs> it is a That's video. very good. That's a, that's a step forward, isn't it? It is. It is. It yeah. is. And, but you know what? They're little tinkers. 
proper little tinkers because there was a little tweet going out at about quarter past was it quarter past six when they were supposed to be? 15 minutes after they were supposed oh, yeah, to have met. Oh, yeah, it was just that one lady by herself. Yeah, and it's a big sign saying, where are you? And then five <laughs> minutes, then I retweeted it going, oh, my God, I panicked, Luce. I proper panicked. That's like, oh, my God, we can't have this go down in dum dum annals as being a meeting, which no one attended. And then it was like, uh, pranked us. Five minutes later, look, here we are. Yay. And uh, they had um, eight in total uh, at the very end. And they all looked very lovely and very dum dum like And uh, it lo- seemed like good fun was had by all. Excellent. Hmm. Uh, but Lucy, yeah. uh, if somebody would like to send us a dum dum how can they do that? If you would like to sing us a dumpty dum, leave us a plot prediction, or be startled by someone emerging from a culvert after eighteen months, string us on 0203 <laughs> or leave us a message on Speakpipe. Uh, thanks to Cosmo for his podcast roundups, to Shedcode for sponsoring us, and to Derek for the only back bedroom. Uh, get well soon, Derek. He's got an operation uh, this week on his torn scrotum. Um, mm-hmm. The doctor asked him if he wanted it done privately, and he said no. He'd just whop it out on the green like he normally does. <laughs> <laughs> oh you and your Derek jokes well done um on this week's episode we have calls from claire who thinks roy is going to play daddy hope not yoko bear who's fearing uh fighty claire who thinks we need to ask toby the brighton question glenn who's suspicious of brian mm, i'll kind of with you there glenn uh, robert who's lucy's favorite slightly drunk fantasist Debs, who wants to push Rob over the edge. Uh, you might have to get in the queue there, Debs. And Dan, John, the seventh, who says Freddy's in good company. Bly Spirit, who thinks Justin's loathsome and with a spoon, who says Lillian's being used. But first, before the caller in us, before some segue chat onto random things, maybe like American Broadway musicals, it's Lucy V. Freeman's Week in Ambridge. <laughs> decided to do a bit of sitting room parkour and scale the bookshelves like a sort of geriatric spider woman. Uh Inevitably, she fell off and bust her ankle. Toby took this as an opportunity to grapple her into a wrestling hold, get her put in a home, stopping off at A&E first and running round the hospital with her in a wheelchair, cornering on two wheels, cackling while Jill screamed with fury and tried to smack him with her handbag. A fall like that could be the beginning of the end for some people, said Ruth, hopefully, bundling Jill into <laughs> the back of the car and putting service station into her sat-nav. In the meantime... Rex decided that because his father had stopped his pocket money, he was going to live on lentils, which will also take care of the central heating bills as long as he wears baggy trousers. In fact, him and Bert could hook his underpants up to the bungalow and live entirely off grid. Over at Brookfield, the aliens had landed. This manifested in Jill continuing her dramatic personality change. I know she has an obsession with Toby, but she started saying things she wouldn't ever have said before. Pleasant couple. Always nice to help your neighbours. Who is she? Has the real Jill been stolen by aliens and implanted in some sort of Martian breeding programme because they wanted to boost their lemon drizzle cake output and we'd be left with a cyber Jill? In another bizarre alien intervention, not only has Pip managed to get the universally loathed fair brethren land on the farm, one installed with their farm worker and the other shagging her and living in her cottage, but she's now suggesting that her father gives them a rent break on land David wishes they weren't renting at all. This is clearly mind control. I would love to Mm. know exactly who she thinks she is. Happy birthday to Pat. 
She celebrated by eating tuna sandwiches and changing Giddy Jack's nappy. God, that woman knows how to live. She then gave a weird speech in which she started talking about members of her family as if they weren't there. I lost my daughter for several months. Yes, this daughter. Here, look. No, this one. The one sitting two inches away from me. Miranda wanted to give Lillian a helping hand with Justin. Really? He's an old gent. That may be a bridge too far. They had a diary session at the Dower House and then Miranda got her foot stuck in a bucket and fell over. Did anyone else notice, by the way, we had a right you are every day last week. Um, a new Lily Pargita was introduced who sounds terrifically irritating. Any teenager that refers to hanging around with friends as networking would have her head flushed repeatedly down the lavatory and quite right too. <laughs> Freddie has clearly inherited his father's brains. He scooped them up off the lower Loxley Terrace, apparently. Uh, there was more boring nonsense about herbal lays, mob grazing and the land grab. I'll summarise for you. Adam was cross, but now he's happy. Brian was happy, then he was cross, now he's happy again. Jenny Darling was cross, and now she's happy. Kate is mad, and Alice is thick. The word leverage is used. That is as much as I got. Titchy Knob has now been so rigorously shafted by Justin, the button girl, Susan at the shop, Debbie, and half the village that he can't actually sit down comfortably anymore. So he was sitting on his little rubber cushion when all of a sudden Stefan appeared, covered in bits of culvert, asking for money in his best saw, Mr. Bond voice. I was just passing from Latvia, said Stefan. I need some startup money. I would like to start my own nuclear weapons factory with on sweet evil baddie lair and crocodile pit. There was a splendid <laughs> rest of the party at home farm or homicide farm if Lillian could get behind Miranda at the top of the stairs. She made all my hard work look like froth and frippery, said Lillian crossly. No, surely not. Prancing about at the village panto, sponsoring some awards that were won by... Um, Lillian's cousin who was nominated by um, Lillian my god she's like Angelina Jolie at UNICEF how could <laughs> say that was froth <laughs> sadly though Lillian let Justin talk her into continuing their great love affair once more well which of us can't resist a cowardly two-timing money-grubbing arsehole and over at Ambridge View Tracy said that Susan looked like a 50s film star on her photos hmm Boris Karloff in Voodoo Island maybe the end <laughs> <laughs> that I actually enjoyed that this week. Well done. Did you? Yeah, yeah. It made made, made me laugh on, on more than one occasion. I really did. <laughs> mm. I don't know about Tracy Orbin, you know. What? Well, I love her, and I wince in equal measure. You know, you clench your bro- clench your buttocks. You know, oh, yes. which one? <laughs> load of clenching going on in my, in my underwear when whenever she comes on my radio love her but just oh obviously she's com- comedy relief but come on uh, let's see where it goes but i wanted to get roy i do want to get him i know she's it's wildly a, inappropriate but she's a bit of a kind of a she's a bit of a kind of a 70s sitcom throwback isn't she that's spot on well the done. sex the sex mad you know Vamp. the sex mad yeah. single woman who can't read the read the signals and it's like something off open all hours you know chasing him around the court chase it's like benny you know chasing him around a yeah chasing him around the the shop saying look at my etchings you know it's just mm. it's yeah it's a little bit she's too tone deaf to be to be real i know she is comedy she is comedy relief mm. um and you know he did he did obviously respond when she's not judging by those appalling noises she did obviously respond when he when he did respond when she snogged him but there, there is something a little bit oh you know you if that was a bloke you wouldn't uh, if that was a bloke pursuing a woman in the way that tracy's pursuing 
uh, well, Roy, we'd all be going, hey, hang on, that's a bit off. You know, she's basically sort of really pressuring him. And, well, you know, we wouldn't be saying it was a bit off. We were saying it was bloody bang yeah. out of order yeah. and he yeah. was, uh, you know, <laughs> stalking, etc. But anyway, let, let, let's hope that she gets slightly, slightly toned down and uh, slightly fleshed out. Yeah. In yeah. Ca- character wise, not yeah. kind of like, you know, comely <clears throat> womanly, shapely wise, because she's pretty fleshed out in that regard. We, we, oh, at least so we led to believe. Uh, but uh, mm, uh, what else uh, caught your eye last I week am in Ambridge? loving Kirsty. I am loving the her attitude to the pregnancy and wanting to keep everybody away from it and being furious that it's being bad. Because, it, it, I mean, people have been saying, oh, God, she's really overreacting. But she had the single biggest humiliation somebody can have she basically had her her boyfriend said to her in front of the entire village actually i don't love you enough that's you know and there is there is nothing i can't imagine anything apart from you know walking in and find but even if she walked in and found him in bed with someone else tom i mean you know at least that's private it's known between her and tom and the other person but Mm. To be jilted in front of the entire village and all your relations and friends when everyone knows how committed you are and how much um, preparation's gone into this and all that. And it's no wonder that she's hypersensitive about, you know, anyone else interfering in this or or, or being, you know, she's so anxious about being coerced into something that she's not in control of. And I think they're playing that absolutely beautifully. I, 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 I love Kirsty. And um, I think that that whole storyline is just that that characterization is just absolutely spot on. Mm. Stumping around the country park by herself saying, no, well, you can come if you like. I'm not going to talk to you, Whatever, you know, and all that it's sort of. Yeah, really nice. Mm. Well, I think that was, for the most part, a very accurate portrayal of our Kirsty. And obviously she's a she's a total uh, listener favorite because she's got a proper pair of cojones, hasn't she? Yeah. You know, however, her problem in all of this is to make a little baby, uh, you need a pair of cojones. And she doesn't technically have a pair of cojones. <laughs> she she used uh, Tom's, didn't she? And she didn't use Tom. She wasn't. No, 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 no. To make her baby, Tom's cojones were used. Let let me slightly rephrase it. And And, and the problem is... Right, that, uh, and I take all of that. I could, I could only but imagine the humiliation. There she is on a big day in her frock, and uh, you know she's she's in effect fought for Tom. Uh, you know, fought him back from the clutches of Brenda and the woman uh, yeah. uh, to you know the the buyer and stuff. No, and all the buyer that. dumped him. She didn't have to. Oh, but yeah, but you know, still. You know, she's hung on in there and then she turns up in a frock and she lets out that scream, you know, when he mm. says, well, mm, yeah. and, you know, and, and the pearl Andy. necklace <laughs> and the pearl necklace fell on St. Stephen's floor with, with great abandon. But the problem is it's her pregnancy. First time there's ever been a pearl necklace on St. Stephen's floor. But anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> sorry. <Carry on. laughs> but the problem is it's kind of his child, too, biologically. And he does have some level of, uh, you know, emotion. It's her pregnancy, not not denying that. And you kind of... Listen, 
as she I... is, she's not being unreasonable. She's saying, yes, you can be involved. You can, you know, she's 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 not being unreasonable no. at all. She has refused no. I'll to tell marry you, I'll him. T- I'll tell you what's Please unreasonable. No, no. Me. Did I say she needs to marry him? I'm not some Victorian father. No, you no, know. No, the fact that she she won't, but you know, no. that he assumed loose, that she loose, would. Loose, loose, loose. Yes, right. am I getting a bit impassioned? Sorry, sorry, loose. sorry, sorry. I'm little I'm... Miss Giggly. <laughs> <laughs> No, little Miss Droppy right now. Getting all carried away no. with yourself. No, just calm you? down. Yes, calm yes. down, Freeman. No, but I think, I think, right, for her to be so indignant that Tom couldn't keep this to himself is, is a little bit unfair. But she was shat on from a great height. You know, yeah. I'm not forgetting all of that, right? Yeah. And she is a, so she's a ball of feelings and and whatever however it's kind of his child too does she have primacy in all of this absolutely is it her pregnancy absolutely but you know as a bloke who's uh who's been told a couple of times or you know you're going to be a father right it's a hard thing to keep to yourself especially the first time right you know, it's just very hard, yeah. you know, because you're struggling with, you know, you say that she's out of, you know, that she she didn't have control over this. Less so him. Mm. Less so him. All right. So I just think when everybody's like. Yeah, but of all the people to tell, she goes and tells Helen, who is incapable of keeping her trap shut. Helen's need to control is so massive that she can't. She can't not then let Kirsty know that she knows. She just can't. Mm. Well, and all, but she could have told her dad. He could have told his dad. Yeah, but 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 one of the things which has really come out in the last year with the whole um, Helen and Rob thing is kind of how close uh, Tom and Helen actually are, and. You you know there was the whole thing with the uh, the, the contact meetings and and Tom being there. There were two or three instances when Tom kind of discovered what was going on, and Helen did kind of confide in Tom, and and Tom wanted to you yeah. know go around and kind of like you know literally to, to bash R- R- Rob's lights out and stuff. So they do have a very close relationship. I think it's entirely understandable that. This bloke who's been told from his one night of passion with a woman who he does love, right, uh, that he's going to be a father, that, you know, he's got all manner of feelings and thoughts banging around in his head and, mm. he, and he tells his sister. He didn't put it in the parish council no. minutes, did he? And he say, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, exactly. He didn't, you know, stand on top of a chair in the ball no. and go, you know, I've got an announcement to make. My my tackle works. I've knocked up Kirsty. He didn't. Yeah. He told the closest person to him, his sister. Yeah. He's got a gob like a barn door. No, she hasn't. She has. Oh God. Well, if she had a gob like a barn door, right? Why didn't she tell everybody about the abuse that Rob was subjecting her to? Because that was her thing. Who's she She's... gone off and told? Because she wants Who to. Who has she always... gone off and told? Kirsty. It's fine her knowing. And that's but... because she, she, as far as Helen's concerned, her and Kirsty are best muckers. So she's like, why didn't you tell me? Yes, me, 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 me. She didn't, she didn't turn around to her mum, Pat, and say, oh, you heard Tom's news. 
No, Did she you? said, I'm a little bit disappointed that Kirsty didn't tell me. Uh, listen, I agree, right? She shouldn't have gone after Kirsty. And I'm not talking about Helen. I'm just, as a bloke, as I said. I just, I yeah, just no, repeat. I understand the need to, to, to share it with somebody. Yeah. I do understand that. On the one hand, you're, you're petrified. On the yeah. on the other hand, you're excited. On the other hand, you're just like confused. How can you be confused? You had unprotected sex with a woman and now no, she's pregnant. No, There's no, not no. You're confused about what the future may bring. Ah, oh, okay. A baby. <laughs> Lucy, mm. you know you know when you gave birth yes. uh, to either one of your children, did not. you exactly know what the future was going to hold for them? Uh, no. There you go. It's, you know, it's a step into the unknown, isn't it? Yes. There you go. Well, I wouldn't have told Helen anyway. <laughs> Who's the first person you told? That I was pregnant? Other than Simon. Who was the first person you told? Hmm. Well, uh, I don't know. Your lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> well... I that is a very good question it's a very good question because my situation wasn't too dissimilar to Tom's and and so I battled with hey what well I just you know are you sure and all the things that make women want to throw bricks at your head no well you know yeah I said well if, if you're not quite sure uh, let's go down the docks, and the docks confirmed in a nanosecond mm. that she was up, up duff. And I come back. I don't know how that car drove it, drove itself back because I wasn't concentrating on anything. But we, <laughs> ma- we managed to get back in one piece. And I said, "Well then, well, well, you know, uh, we don't really have a future." And um, was all... the relationship over by that? Yes. Stage? Oh, Hence, Lord. I said I was in some yeah. rather Tom situation. Uh, okay. So um, I'm not going to lie. It took me a good two weeks to get my head round this. Right. Um, and you know what, Luce? Fatherhood can be a very abstract experience. And I think uh, being a parent can be in general. But I was told by, by my cousin... Who I probably told my cousin first, actually. So here's the answer to the question. My cousin, one of my 90-odd cousins, um, I told first. And he said to me, his son was maybe about two. You're told that you need to have feelings for this person that will come. And and you know that you will, and you do. And you get gender-long and excited by the uh you know by the pregnancy and and what's going to happen but she starts off with a level of emotion and feeling because it's grown with inside her and she can Mm. feel it you know even if she just wakes up and she feels ill she Mm. knows that something's actually happening and it's within her and it's part of her but with you it's very much an abstraction and and then from day one you are um you know you are an appendage is almost is what he said, but with each day, you know that love will grow just that little bit more, 
Yeah. Uh, whereas she just starts with just a whole level of feeling and yeah. understanding and emotion, intuitiveness that that you don't have. And he says, you know, it's an excellent and a fantastic ride and stuff. But be prepared to be bewildered and just say, eh, you know, yeah. you know, this this thing is now part of me and not necessarily to connect with it at every moment in the way that she does. And there's, it, a, there's a psychological school of thought that says men develop love for a child by caring for it. Mm. They don't have it immediately. It's the act of looking after it that that makes them love it. It's that comes it's the the requirement to look after it kicks in and they're not sure what that that's just a you know you you just want your you want your sperm to survive whether it's in or out of the body you know it's it's sort of mm. it's the next generation of you it's carrying on your genes and all that but it's the act of looking after something more vulnerable than yourself that makes you uh, listen I, 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 love it love the, the child yeah absolutely and, and also going through um the whole ritual of um, you know the pre-birth so going to the antenatal classes and stuff and even then it just felt like well somebody's about to tap me on my shoulder and say this is what the grown-ups do you know you're just you're just yeah. play, playing yeah. at all of this yeah. and stuff you know you know get back and you know continue to play with your xbox or whatever yeah you know but um you're completely right about the whole kind of the, the bonding for me and uh with noah is less 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 so of an issue an issue with with ella but it was, and I remember holding him um, after the the cord had been cut, and, and 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 you know taking him into the other room and showing him to my dad, and that had such a profound effect on me. Oh. And and when my aunties aunties were there, and something kind of kicked in then, and then dressing him for the first time, you know, and I remember I used to play with him on um, on on the windowsill. And I, 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 <laughs> that sounds it, dangerous. No, yeah, yeah. it wasn't open. Michael Jackson scenario. It wasn't open. There wasn't like ten thousand adoring fans, you know, outside of a Berlin uh, hotel. But I know. I had to say, um, and I'd always sing like giant steps are what you take when you're walking on the windowsill. Oh. And 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 yeah. And then all the all the nights when his mum. Um, couldn't get him off to sleep and we'd go for a little drive in the car and I'd have these conversations with him and he'd be like, you know, three months old. And, and I'd be saying, right, so, you know, so, so daddy, so, 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 so daddy's born in Birmingham. You know, Birmingham, you know, there's a, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd be driving around in circles at three you o'clock in the morning. You were about American presidents, didn't you? The poor yeah. little sod. <laughs> you know what? That obsession of mine hadn't kicked in then. This is like, this is like 2000, That's uh, you know. You ought to be eternally thankful for. <laughs> yes, very true. But, <laughs> but no, it, so I have a certain amount of sympathy with Tom, not with the jilting of Kirsty. But I just think it's just very easy and very knee-jerk just to say, well, it's a baby. and it's a... You know what? It ain't just her baby. And the technology it stands in, in 2017, we we still need uh, two people actually to make a child. Mm-hmm. Um, it's her pregnancy. I don't um, deny that. It's also it's her right to decide to do whatever she wants to do with this child. And obviously it's all kind of bound up with, with the past and what Tom Tom's done to her. But I just think, you know what, being a father, um, it's not the easiest thing in the world. Um, many men abscond 
and abrogate all responsibility and stuff. And you know what? They're bleeders and they're fuckers because it's not the, the kid's fault. And you got somebody here who's actually saying, oh, I want to be around and blah, blah, mm. blah. He's saying all the wrong things, but for all the right reasons. Yeah. You know. I think as well it doesn't help if you look at their personalities. They're both control freaks. They're both very, very controlling people, Tom mm. and Kirsty. So you've got two... Kirsty's trying to keep everything in so she can figure out what she's going to do and how she feels. And he's going, right, where do I fit in? What's my job? What do I do? What? Can, how can I, you know, how can I make this be a concrete thing that I understand? And, and, and so he's trying to force control on, on, onto Kirsty. Mm. So as if he was just passive and said, OK, well, it's up to you and I'll wait for you to decide. It would be so much better. But he's just not that personality type in his whole business things, in the way he does everything. You know, it, it, he's and, and look how he's being with the house, with um, with Johnny and, and, and all that. You know, he's he is a controlling sort of person. But so is she. So mm. it's a bit of a perfect storm, really. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, oh, do you know what? I've just remembered something. What's that? When we first brought um, my daughter home from the hospital, um, I was in the sitting room and um, Simon disappeared with with Tilly. Mm -hmm. And I could hear him talking all over the house. And then he came back with her and I said, I thought he was on the phone. And I said, what were you doing? Who were you talking to? And he said, I was showing her the facilities. <laughs> as if he was at, at Centre Parks, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't know what else to do, so I thought I'd show her the facilities. <laughs> well, the um, oh. I know it's a bit of a conversation we've half had before, but when when Niall was was born and he was in the birth canal, air quotes inserted, uh, for you know twenty odd hours, so his head head came oh. out look looking yeah. like a like a <laughs> long tube of, <laughs> of Toblerone or whatever. It's a ridiculous <laughs> shape, and I was like, oh my god. <laughs> to look after this for the next 18 years and it's a freak and in that time between taking him from the delivery room to the waiting room where my dad and my auntie and uh, I think my granny was there as well who's now passed on uh, where everybody was um, you know, his head just like shrunk back to something that looked looked pretty normal. I was like, the relief. As I as a, but you know, the, the the thirty seconds it took to get from one room to the other, and and I did that thing. And I says, this is your grandfather. This is your great granny, <laughs> and you know, and everybody's there, kind of you know, crying. And and I think that it in in its essence, you know, what you said about Simon actually is your is the the classic kind of father role, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it's um, that um, it, explaining the way that the the world works and and you know the physical metaphorical cutting of the um, umbilical cord. You know, yeah. and uh, yeah. So anyway, give him a bit of a break. But anyway, uh, call her <laughs> in, as Freeman. <laughs> I'm getting all wistful. Oh, don't have another one, Royfield. Put it away. Uh, call her in or is Freeman. (laughs) 
Hello, Ambridge 3962. Claire Howard. Hello, don't you tell me it's Claire Howard from Hertfordshire. I don't think I've ever mentioned, but I'm Claire L. Howard on the Twitter. My call is regarding Kirsty, and it's been the plot line has been sailing at my head at the rate of knots over the last few weeks. But I really do think that um, Kirsty and Roy are going to end up together because she's desperately in wanting somebody dependable and reliable and although I don't think she's passionately in love with Roy I think that she will um, feel that he might be the best option to help her with baby and uh, she might convince herself that she is in love with him and I think that's going to happen Tom's going to be heartbroken and possibly he deserves it I don't know anyway that's my plot prediction for this week thanks very much bye I don't think she's talking about Kirsty and Roy ending up together I don't think Kirsty is looking for anyone dependable and reliable other than herself. I think she's hoping she's going to be dependable and reliable, which she is. And I think we can, as Royfield said last week, I think we can do without the old eternal triangle again. Mm. Kirsty, Roy and Tom. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if Roy proposed to Kirsty because I think Roy is so lost at the minute. He wants to feel useful to somebody. Um and worthy and it would make him feel better about himself because he still feels terrible um so it wouldn't surprise me if he if he proposed to her to sort of try and fix everything for her wouldn't uh, he have to get divorced first oh yes no they are aren't they are they i don't think they are <clears throat> i thought he'd had because he was gloomy one day and he said oh, i've had the letter from Haley's. or was he gloomy because he'd found out Haley was going out with that somebody was it, yeah. that was it mm. yeah i don't know i mean they're not they Are they? Are they... Mm. Mm. Oh. Oh. Um, anyway, yes. So I don't think she's looking for anyone dependable and reliable other than herself, who, to be frank, is the only person that you need in your life to be dependable and reliable. Um, Claire Asprey now. Hi Dumpty Dum, it's Claire from Clapham here. Um, it's been a couple of weeks since I rang in and I only just caught up again on the uh, Christmas episode with the poor sound quality. Um, so I've got a long list of things I wanted to say, uh, mainly about Dumpty Dum more than about the arches necessarily. Anyway, uh, I'll start by saying I really, really enjoyed listening to Millie Bell's interview um, over Christmas and please Millie Bell, don't just read out the social media stuff. Come talk, tell us what you're thinking and I'd love to hear more from you. Secondly, entirely agree with the stuff about sewing. It's flipping difficult to turn out a lot of costumes and I say this as someone who did a, a qualification in theatre wardrobe back in the day. Thirdly, really interested about now everyone knows that Toby disappears to Brighton for mysterious purposes and the fact that he did this and left everyone in the lurch about the panto now means that half the village are going what does he do in Brighton what can he be getting up to there and I'm really surprised that even a year um, like a week later or so no one's thought to ask him what you've been doing in Brighton uh, or endlessly ask Pip what does he do in Brighton to the point that Pip absolutely loses her rag and demands him for him to tell her I was really prompted to ring in though about the fantastic conversation between Royfield and Lucy about Tom and Kirsty, and 
oh my gosh, Lucy, I'm so with you about men being useless and needing women to sort them out. Uh, and actually, that's true from what Steve said about Debbie rolling in like the good fairy. Um, and that got me to think about, you know, which men are actually grown up and don't need sorting out in the entire village. It was quite a short list, in my view. Um, and on it, I have Alan, who I think on the whole is fairly good and doesn't need too much looking after. Um, Neil, who actually is the person who can talk uh, Susan down from some of her more ridiculous flights of fancy. Ian, who everyone thinks is an incredibly sensible person, but has had a wobbly this last year. Robert, who again is a steadfast husband who talks his wife down from ridiculous flights of fancy at times. Chris, who we don't hear anything from, but I think on the whole doesn't need too much looking after from Alice. Mike, uh, although he's not dead, he's just in Birmingham um, these days. Uh, maybe Harrison and also uh, Jazza as an interesting um, case study who does get himself into ridiculous scrapes, but I don't think ever expects a sensible woman to get him out of it, which is kind of refreshing. I quite like Jazza for all his craziness agree that tom is both a pinhead and a twonk uh, but genuinely good-natured at heart and trying to do the right thing and a little bit disappointed about the kirsty pregnancy thing it's a bit too soapy tropey for me um and i did think she was smarter than that so i'm with both royfield and lucy on that one anyway really enjoying the show and keep up the good work Hello, Dumpty Dum Blood Spirit calling. Well, I just wanted to wish everyone a very happy new year. And even though it's a pretty dank January out there, isn't there a lot going on in the arches right now to keep us lively? I just wanted to say before I go on to anything else, yay, Stefan, yay. That came out of nowhere, didn't it? I'm so looking forward to this storyline and where it's going to go. The blackmail, the, the culverts, all of that reappearing. It's all going downhill for the Dark Lord, and I am just enjoying this so much after the oh, after what we've been through this last two, three years with the whole Helen um, Titchener storyline. Um, so yeah, really, really looking forward to that. The main reason I'm calling in though is to follow up on what Lucy said last week about uh, the difference in genders and how women seem to have to fix men all the time. I really noticed it this week, and it was borne out particularly in the conversation between Helen and Tom, where Tom described his baby with Kirsty as a quote unquote joint project. Do I really need to say any more? Also, the situation between Justin and Lillian, and oh my goodness, I mean, doesn't it show what a complete arsitude and bastard Justin is, and a coward too? The fact that he's prepared to submit both of the women in his life to intense humiliation says a lot about the man. Um, he could have been kinder. He could have given Lillian a get out at that point with some level of dignity. He hasn't done that. In fact, he wants the affair to continue. And quite frankly, if Lillian has any self-respect, she will take Justin's credit card, hand it back and tell him to stick it where the sun don't shine. Anyway, that's it from me. Still keeping warm. Hope everyone else is with lots of hot chocolate and blankets and nice things. Cheers now. Bye. Yes. Why does why does no one just ask? Um, why doesn't anyone ask Toby? If the whole village now knows that Toby didn't go, didn't wasn't in the play because he was in Brighton. Surely at least 17 people would have said, what were you doing in Brighton? Bearing in mind people in Ambridge. Yeah, never but, he's, go but he's got his excuse, isn't it? He said it was a, a boys, uh, boys yeah. night 
out thingy. And no, he wasn't his friend Mucker Johnny something or another. He come up with some random name of somebody who was going through a rough time. He said. Yeah. A rough time and he needed a shoulder to cry on and that's the reason yeah. why he needed to pop down so he does have that excuse yeah yes oh, i think we're running claire asprey and blythe spirit together okay uh because they both were talking about the rant i went on last week about um sewing uh no that was the week before oh. i have one rant per show you, you know that you do you do um last week's rant i like was about to save all... mine up i know for and stabbings for 25 minutes for stabbings <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> um, I can't uh, help being a little bit verbose. No, times. I was laughing at you saying for stabbings. I thought it was very funny. Oh. Uh, yes, about about all the, 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 the men needing the women to fix them. Ooh. And and uh, so Claire suggested Neil, Alan and Robert as men that do not need fixing in the archers. There aren't very many... Oh, actually, Pat and Tony are actually quite equal, aren't they? Mm. Because if you look at Neil, Alan and Rob, oh, Neil and Robert, anyway, they're both sane because their wives are a bit loony. Alan is different. He's different because he has to have a greater sense of self and integrity and everything else because of his his position in the village. Um, So maybe it's like, we can't have just a couple who are just equal. We have to have one one to balance out the other. And couples don't necessarily work like that every time. It's not that overt, is it, that you have one? I mean, you do, everyone knows couples where one does all the talking and one is silent or one is very angry and one is very passive or whatever. But I think couples do balance each other out. But I mm-hmm. think it's not always as overt as the archers possibly makes it, which is kind of um, you can only have a sane male if he's got... A st- unstable wife you can't just have a sane male and a sane female in the same family maybe mm. ruth and david are ish pat and tony are ish mm-hmm. uh maybe because more more time has been invested in their in their relationship in terms of the plot progression and stuff i don't know characterization and yes um as yeah yes talking about mike and betty mike relied a lot on betty uh, when they first started, uh, when they first got together, because Mike was a proper firebrand and um, Betty and was very undiplomatic and was always rowing with people. And Betty was there to sort of uh, calm him down and mend the fences that he'd uh, um, knocked down. And, you know, she sort of um, would she was the peacemaker. Mm. Uh, so, yes, he did rely on her a lot uh, when he was younger. But now he's the one that calms Vicky down more, isn't he? <laughs> Is he? Yeah. Well, we don't know, do we? Exactly. We're not allowed to know. Um, so, but anyway, where are we? Um, well, we've done Claire's call. Claire asked With Bly Spirit. But with Bly Spirit. And Bly Spirit talks about Justin being an absolute coward. I mean, I agree. If he's saying, oh, I, can't, I couldn't call you because she's looking at my phone. Mm-hmm. I couldn't come and see, you know. Basically, he's just thrown her out the window and said... At what point, why has he said, if he's so miserable with Miranda, why hasn't he ever talked about getting divorced? Yeah, but Luce, you know and I know that relationships come in a whole manner of sizes and configurations. And just because he says he's unhappy, 
in one regard doesn't mean that he's completely unhappy and obviously they have a way of working and they have a history and this is not to absolve him of of any guilt in terms of his uh, shameless carryings on but Miranda does know that he's carrying on with Lillian and I don't know whether you would presume that what she's the whole thing last week was for her to say well you know I am as my cousin would say I am Justin's A1 woman, Mm. right? Whatever is going on between you pair is very secondary to what I have with Justin. Um, But I I don't know for a fact that she was saying nothing can go on at all. I I genuinely don't know. You just presume that's it. And she just, you know, Well, if that's the case, then Mm -hmm. she would never have left Justin and Lillian in the drawing room at home farm by themselves. Well, I did think that also. But, I mean, no uh, one's know, that interested in watercolours. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, Jennifer is. <laughs> now, I that was a new one for me. Was that the Jennifer stated before that she's really into watercolours? Because I couldn't remember yeah. it. No. Yeah, that no. Made up on the hoof, I think. Okay. I don't think she'd ever mentioned because Brian had to backfill, didn't he? And say, oh, that's the lot you're always trying to get me to go to, isn't it? And I thought, oh, don't patronise us. (laughs) We know you just (laughs) put that in to try and make sense of the fact that, you know, and the the fact that it was so transparent. I mean, that they're sitting there going and she's going, come along, Brian. Let's go and show Miranda the watercolours. And he's going, Mm. why? I don't care. Oh, the watercolours. Yes, yes, I'll come. Yes, I'm gagging to see some watercolours. Let's leave. Let's leave the man who's in charge of my land deal and my sister-in-law in in the same room, even though they just had a massive falling out in front of his wife. You know, it's just bollocks. But anyway, Mm. and it was quite, I was just very disappointed in Lillian because I think she should have said to him, you shameless coward. If you couldn't, if you were so unpleasant to me, Mm. And completely let your wife bully me without saying a word. You can stuff right off. But she didn't. She went, oh, do you think there's still a chance, Justin? I thought, oh, for God's sake. You know, (sighs) these things are a little bit complicated, though, aren't they? And my my problem is with with, with all of this is that um, she's probably emotionally entangled with the guy. I don't I have very little qualms with two grown up adults saying you know what our ships are going to bump in the night and we but we can keep this within within certain bounds i don't have a problem with that that at all but yes she for me she's the weaker party not because there is um because she's carrying on with with a married man is that she's emotionally involved with him in a way that it doesn't appear that he he is with her which that. is exactly what I said. Was oh, shut, no, shut no, your no, cake hole. No, no. Shut well, your cake hole. Lillian's yes. let me down. Right. I was not wrong. Sure Lillian has just let me down. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we should go on to Yokel Bear now. Oh, all right. Who's, then. Who's, who's having a small class war all of his own. Oh, this week, yet another one. Hello, Dumpty Dum, it's Yokel Bear here calling from the quite sleek-covered hills of Yokelshire. I'm in fighting mood this week, and I'm weighed down on my shoulder by a big working-class chip this week, because the bit this week that got my goat up was the posh people, Miranda 
and Justin. That whole scene where they got Lillian in and all that kind of, you know, you could imagine the smug look on Miranda's face. And I, I got all a bit class war, to be honest with you. I got quite angry. And I'm getting more and more hacked off with Justin. He, th- he thinks he's the lord of the manor. With Lillian, he's bedding the locals. Um, what they call it? Duat de Signor. Yeah, we don't do that anymore, Justin. So, yeah, I was quite... I was in fighting mood over this. And um, there should be a revolution. Hey, maybe that's it. Maybe there needs to be an Ambridge revolution. Maybe the Carters and the Grundys need to rise up and throw off the oppressors. Like lame is. Uh, get the furniture out and the barricades in the street. So, yeah, I really don't like Justin and Miranda, but I think it might be because of the big working class chip on my shoulder. I'm going to sign off now by saying, <laughs> workers of Ambridge, to the barricades. Anti the posh people. Miranda and Justin, smugness, he says. Um, arms, mes amis. Justin, <laughs> Yokel Bear has discovered his inner les miserables, like he said. Uh, yeah, it it was all a bit twee and obnoxious, wasn't it? But I did like, I did really appreciate uh, Justin making Rob stay behind to do his work. That was very good. And I thought, you see, there are advantages of being a posh, obnoxious git, aren't there? Because you can make people like Rob mm. do what you say. Um, I know, Yokel Bear, but that's what life in the country is like. You just have to get used to it, love. Hmm. Now, it, it was good to see the reason why Justin picks the people that he does for the job. So yeah. he can absolutely bully them in that he way. He does that very nice, affable, oh, hello, or a hail fellow, well-met business. And then all of a sudden he becomes very chilly and, uh, mm. you know, aggressive, doesn't he? Yeah. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, Glyn, now. What's Glyn talking about this time, Lucy? Toby and Jill. Hello Dumpty Dum, it's Glenn here. First of all, may I wish all Dumpty Dummers everywhere a very happy new year. A couple of things um, on my mind in regard to the archers at the moment. Uh, first is what is Brian up to on this deal now allowing Adam to continue with the herbal lays? Is he just trying to bring the family with him or is there something more to it? Um, well, um, we'll find out in due course, I'm sure. And then the other thing um, I'm exercised about is the Jill and Toby continuing conflict storyline uh, getting a bit fed up with it, to be honest. Uh, wish it, wish the, the scriptwriters would bring it to a head. Um, all, we know that Toby's a bit of an idiot. Uh, we probably know more about his behaviour than Jill does. But uh, even so, I thought she's been treated. She's been very ungracious towards him since he helped her after her, um, her accident, and he clearly didn't cause it. And her saying so is is just a bit ridiculous. So please, scriptwriters, um, uh, bring this one to a head. Put us all out of our misery, or put me out of my misery anyway. Um, thank you to the Dumpty Dum team for continuing to produce this marvellous podcast and a good week in Ambridge to all. Jill is behaving really weirdly. I'm hoping there's going to be some explanation for this. I mean, I, as I said in the monologue, you know, I appreciate that she's got this obsession with, with, with Toby. 
that's that's fine understandable within her lights kind of thing but the words she's using are really odd it sounds like she's not kind of the jill that is the jill that we are hearing now would not be a jill that was anti-hunting that was anti-private school that was friends with carol toboggan it's not she's not the same she's turned into peggy light it's really weird. She's kind of saying, you know, like I said in the monologue, she's she's going, oh, what pleasant people. It's just very, very. I mean, I'm no massive fan of Jill, but I really would have disliked her earlier if she if she'd been like this all the way through. So what's going on and why is any why is no one noticing that she sounds completely different to normal? Do you, is it just me or have you, do you, what do you think? Um. Has no one else noticed? Is it me? You can no, say. no, 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 no. Other people have actually said this. This, this isn't Jill, right? But to to be fair to to the scriptwriters, uh, with the exception, oh, I was going to say, with the exception of the death of Phil, when has she really had a major part in anything recently? But then there was the whole move to lower Loxley. Yeah. And the, so, yeah. so we have had sn- and the writing death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have had snippets, <laughs> snippets of the yeah. Of the <laughs> But in terms of exploring her character, we haven't had anything like this in eons, have we? No, but they seem to be exploring someone else's character because it doesn't sound like her. It's well, it's but I initially, I, 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 yeah, it, it's the words, but it's supposed to come from a place of she's never been able, she's never felt that she was uh, the love of Phil's life. She's always, she's always thought that she was an afterthought. Yeah. And and she's buried buried away all these feelings of you know all these years, and then it, they've just been resurfaced, and and ultimately it's just a gigantic, a gigantic plot device to rem, to remind us of the continuum of the archers all the way from the fifties and, and the yeah. death death of Grace. But I get all that. I just don't understand why she's now using words and phrases that she would never have used. Uh, new new director of the archers. <laughs> I but, don't know. But, but, no, say, it's just I don't really know. weird. Don't know, don't know, don't know, don't know. But it's um, for me, the whole thing's been been kind of slightly turned up on the dial a little a little bit too too high. But yeah, um, I, too but, much, too quick. It is, but. I love me some Jill, so I couldn't disagree with you more about you've never been a fan of Jill. It's like, who are you? She's a stalwart <laughs> of the show, matriarch. No, but I never used to think, oh, goody, it's Jill, like the way I'd think, oh, goody, it's Susan, or oh, good, it's, oh, good, it's no. um, Linda, or whatever. I hear I hear that. I hear no, that. She was mostly trunching on about jam and, you know, Kenton not behaving himself and whatever else, you know. But that's more the fault of the storylines, as you said, isn't it? Mm, exactly. Well, not the fault, but the the issue with the storyline. Mm. Can we do my favourite caller in now? Um, who's that this week? What do you mean this week? I'm not as fickle as you. Naked fingers. With what, his lovely what, voice. Wait a minute. What happened what? to what happened to the bloke who was the gardener? It was near your favourite. Oh, yes. No, he. He. What happens is. I tell them they're my favourite and then they never call in again. That's that's kind of <laughs> that's the pattern. 
I've given up now. I don't care. I might start telling people I don't want to call in that they're my favourite just to, just to get <laughs> Actually, okay. they want to call in then. Um, Naked Fingers. Hello, Dumpty Dumbers. It's Naked Fingers here. And I've just finished listening to Friday night's episode of The Archers. Oh, my God. I know I've had a little wine, but I'm not completely pissed. I'm only slightly pissed. Uh, but, oh, my God, the return of Stefan. <laughs> We've been saying, haven't we, for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. Oh, well, months and probably a year. Stefan. Oh, there's always Stefan. What happened to Stefan? Oh, Rob must have paid him off or Rob's chucked him in the silage. But he's back. He's back with a vengeance. And Rob has got to pay the ferryman. I have a prediction. And I think, and call me hot-headed, call me a fantasist, call me slightly drunk. Uh, but I think Rob is going to kill Stefan. Rob will kill him in, in some kind of tussle. Ironically, he might even stab him. Who knows? And uh, Rob will go down. And that will be the end of Rob. That will be the end of Helen's problems. He'll never have to see Giddy Jack or Henry again. And he will fuck well and truly off. That is it. The end. Goodbye. Call me a fantasist, he says. You're a fantasist. Naked fingers. Um, <laughs> yes, I think you're right. And I can completely see Rob doing something um, to Stefan because basically Stefan threatens his job. And as Royfield says last week, his job is the only thing now that that Rob has left. But it's interesting now that I don't think of him as Titchy Knob anymore. I think of him as Rob because now he's lost his power. When mm. he had a lot of power or I felt he had a lot of power and control, I called him Titchy Knob as a way of reducing his penis his, size. His, but yeah, and and and, and uh, yeah, of reducing and potency. reducing his mm. his 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 power and his ability to control. But now I feel that's been taken away from him. I don't need to do it anymore. Isn't that weird? Anyway, um uh so uh yeah i've confused myself now um yes stefan actually threatens his his job which is the one thing that that uh that rob's got left but sean o'connor said that rob was going to be around for another 20 years so whether that was just something that sean said off the cuff i don't know but you know i can't see him being put away but i mean even if he's put away for murdering stefan or whatever he could still um there's still a chance that he would have an impact on the boys lives because they'd mm. be visiting and all that sort of stuff well. um and helen would have to take them to the prison to see him and all that sort of thing uh he's not gonna murder stefan that that just well be... no i think i i don't th i think uh, naked fingers because he was slightly in an advanced state of uh, refreshment when he rang in i think possibly maybe not murder but i think i think ha we haven't heard from harassment for ages and i think harassment will catch rob <laughs> attempting to assault stefan and then he'll he'll be um, what day was that episode? was that friday's episode when yes can i just say and you did a masterful job in your monologue but my god that was some hammy sounding nonsense and foolishness it was just <laughs> like please i seriously seriously did think what the hell uh six form amateur <laughs> hospital radio drama have i just tuned into <laughs> 
it was so funny. I loved the ex. But all I remember is just 27 simultaneous tweets over my time. I go, fucking hell, it's Stefan. (laughs) 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 It was so funny. Mm. And he's, you know, uh, it's, it was the quiet, the menace, you know, the really hammy menace, wasn't it? He's basically, he's tied, he's tied Rob to the train tracks. (laughs) That's exactly (laughs) it. Yeah. Well, I don't I care if it's happy or not. I love it. I love the way that all Titchinob's chickens are coming home to roost and not only to roost, but to poo on his head. Hoorah! <laughs> <laughs> They've come but... home to roost on a branch right above him. Mm. <sighs> I, you know, I, it's hard to see how he can survive this. but And that's the reason why I suppose we pay our license fee to have great this great drama, you know thrust upon us and we are going to find out if rob is truly around for 20 odd years you know uh, because as i said last week if that's to be the case there needs to be some normalization of rob um as this um sparingly used uh regular character you know like some something like a linda snell but but less so in that you can actually go a couple of months without hearing uh, you know Linda at all but then she'll 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 kind of like pop up and yeah. she drives some storyline at, at some point etc etc and then of course she has a two annual uh, forays into uh, into Ambridge with the fate and then with the, with the Christmas panto type of thing and that's what we need Rob to be but as I said many 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 moons ago a man's evil and a git and a bastard. And actually, they should have just left it at the hell and stuff. We didn't need all the culvert stuff and the this and the that and the that and the this. Yeah, it was enough that he was doing what he was absolutely, doing. Absolutely, because it just yeah. because for me, it just feels so contrived. Oh, uh, I don't care. I just love it. I do not care whether it's contrived. But, if you they know, discovered if you're do that it, he was... though, but if you're going to do it, just do it well. And I'm sure, you know, I, I don't, don't, don't want to say... <laughs> I'd be, I'd be quite happy to find out that he had kidnapped Shergar and was behind the Brinksmack gold bullion robbery. Quite really? frankly, I'd swallow that in an instant. I'd go, "Yep, I knew it was him, bastard!" And you know, yeah, that'd be it. Fine. <laughs> Don't care. Realism's gone out the window. I'm all about the revenge now. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> now, have we got any emails? Are we at the we end of the call? The callers oh. yet? God, good grief. This is going to be... Okay, it's a long episode, this one. All right, and I'll, I'm just going to... I'm going to recline back in, in my leather-bound chair, take a sip of my coffee, and uh, you can bring us in with the next caller. Uh, Debs in Germany. Yes. Having Ethan did not suit Titchinob's purpose. Oh, now she said Titchinob then, so I did too. Um... Yeah, it was really interesting. It's like we were saying before about his he's he's now lost his power. He just sounds, you know, when Justin said, well, you can just stay here and finish off that thing, because I did say I would like it by Friday. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, and he sort of just sounded completely deflated. Hmm. And the fact that, like you said, he's got no one to go home to. There's no Helen sitting there, you know, endlessly cooking meals on the off chance that he might have gone off something in the over the course of the day, you know, <laughs> or... Um, you know any of that he's just he's just a sad lonely nasty man mm. and uh yeah he's he's shrunk hasn't he mm. at the moment it's about two foot six i think uh dan john the seventh hi dumdy dummers dan john the seventh here calling about freddie's maths reset results well freddie's in good company 
Um, grade statistics from Edexcel say that out of the 40,000 students who sat GCSE maths in November, only about 28% of them passed with a C grade or better. So uh, his D puts him firmly in the, the modal category there. The uh, other thing to bear in mind is some of those students would have been students who'd got a grade C already and were attempting to improve their grades. So certainly most students don't pass in November. Really important he gets it in the summer though, because if he doesn't, it'll be on the new specification GCSE, which as everybody involved in teaching it knows, is loads harder. Anyway, uh, good luck for Freddie in, in the summer and a party at Lower Loxley around New Year time. Sounds a fantastic idea. What could possibly go wrong? Anyway, love the show. Bye. Dan, John, the seventh, you have put the fear of God into me. My daughter is just starting her GCSE choices. And you've said that the GCSEs are going to get harder. And quite frankly, I can't do my son's maths homework. And he is in year eight. So the chances of me being able to help her with hers <laughs> is getting more and more remote by the second. Um, poor Freddie, though. What? Yeah. Why, oh God! Uh, why can you people know, not just let him leave school and go and become a, you know, carpenter or something that he actually likes? He, you know, he's clearly not suited for academia in any in any way. But you know, well, and he's a bit of an arsehole because he's that's kind of... not Freddie's greatest crime. It's the fact that he sounds like a total vacuous idiot. Yeah, that that's the thing. Well, he just sounds like a hooray, doesn't he? It, but like comedy hooray yeah you know it's not it, it doesn't even sound remotely believable no you know is a pastiche of a pastiche yeah you know and oh i i find him and lily excruciating to listen to yeah well lily's the new actress isn't she well i did whatever right but all i know lucy right i know those lines could be shakespearean mm. right but when they're yeah. delivered out of those mouths yeah it's anything but they both need to be sent to Sierra Leone to go and work in a flipping camp for six months. That would sort out. <laughs> Overprivileged yeah. little buggers. Well, honestly. I was going to say they are dripping, 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 yeah. dripping with, with privilege. But it, it, it isn't just that because that's the writing. It's the delivery. Oh, really? It's the delivery. And, and, and I'm sorry, uh, my, my friends. Um... So they're not coming on the show, eh? <laughs> well... We have to keep this real, right? You know, yeah. we, we can't claim to be fans of this and say, everything's smashing and super. And, you know, oh, you know, that was the most fantastically written episode ever. And that was the most fantastically written, delivered bit of acting ever and always. And, and it just isn't the case. And sometimes, just as we call out and we say, you know what? The geezer that plays Rob, blinding. Yeah. Helen, smashing. You have to say, hmm. These young actors are starting yeah. out in their craft yeah. and it's pretty obvious. Yeah. Right. And you say to yourself, is this more the fault of whoever has directed that episode? Uh, you know, that they don't know how to coax out of them the right performance or whether they're just not up for it. Right. You know, we wouldn't be doing our listeners uh, justice if we just said everything served up to us was fab all the time. I'm sorry. And anyway, we know perfectly well what our listeners think because they don't hold back on Twitter <laughs> to describe. Well, well, no, no, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And, yeah. and, you know, and I just think a poor job is being done. Right. And I think it's quite poor. Oh. Yeah. Harsh words from Mr. B there. Mm.
Arsh yeah, and you know me, I love to sit on a fence, but I, I've come off Ooh. the fence on this. Is just You've got splinters up your jacksie most mm. of the time. Mm. Uh, with a spoon now. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Greetings, Lucy Royfield, Millie Bell, and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here. Let's get right down to business to talk about three of Ambridge's dysfunctional couples. First, Toby and Jill. Yes, Jill was at her most annoyingly passive-aggressive with the family after her fall. And frankly, I didn't like the script writing in these scenes. Jill just isn't that tone-deaf. And I actually agree with her. Toby is always somewhat rude to her in their interactions. He wasn't particularly polite when he entered the room. He didn't say, pardon me, sorry to disturb you. He acted like she was the interloper. Reminded me of when he called Jill Granny during one of their previous encounters. Pip still hasn't told her parents about her loan to Toby, and Jill will be proven right in the end. Second couple, Lillian and Justin. Last week, Lillian thinks she's being dumped and she's depressed. Then Justin says, no, Lillian, you're still my number one squeeze, and she's all happy again. Lillian, you're the guma, as Tony Soprano would say. You're being used, used, I tell you, and you're going to be very hurt when this is all over. Third couple, a new one, Rob and Stefan. I'm sure this will be the topic of much discussion this week. So the manipulator is going to be out-manipulated. What fun! So I will make a small point here. Did you notice how quickly and smoothly Rob was able to launch into a lie about being unemployed and couch surfing? Just like old times with Helen. As we've said, the man is a sociopath. And sorry, Alan, your little bit of pastoral counseling, which I think you do because you feel it's your job, not because you want to do it, is a complete waste of time. As Lucy has said, a narcissist doesn't change his stripes unless he's had about 10 years of expert therapy. So that's it. No time to dawdle. Talk to you all soon with the Spoon and Angus signing off. Yes, I noticed that. Um, uh, th- Rob just said, just, just whisked straight into a lie. No, a, a hop. he hadn't seen this bloke for 18 months. He pops up and says, so how are you, Mr. Titchener? And he says, <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I've lost my job and I'm, I'm couch sofa surfing, couch surfing. And you think, what? How quickly did you did you create that lie? You know, you the, even the shock of seeing somebody that you hadn't seen for eighteen months. Never mind the circumstances under which you last saw them. Surely that alone would stop you thinking up a convincing lie that quickly. But it's just so glib. It just comes rattling out. He's so disingenuous, unbelievable, and he sounds completely. Because when he said, I've lost my job, I thought, has he? No, I, th- I thought, I'm sure I haven't missed that episode. He hasn't. Of course, no, he's still, he's still working, isn't he? But he's just amazing. That, that, the compulsive, you know, the compulsive lie is so quick. Mm, well, he's, well, but we know the compulsive lies. I, I, I'm less amazed by that, to be fair. But I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. You, you know me, I, lo- I love me some Ambridge accent, and I'm just repeating myself, but I just think Lily, Freddie, bad, Stefan, <laughs> even worse. <laughs> and I don't want to say comedy Eastern European accent, because I'm sure you're going to say, no, actually, this bloke was born in Riga. But dearie me, it was just like laid on with a trowel. 
have you heard have you heard my my have you heard my Eastern European joke, which sounds like it's going to be deeply racist? I'm not, don't think it is. I apologise if it is. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> you can, viewers, mm. listeners can decide. Well, Eastern Europeans what? are not a race. Oh, so... that's right then. Yeah. Mm. Um, uh, now, if, you're, uh, if it's anti-Slavic, well, then they'd be racist. Okay. An Eastern European man goes to the optician mm-hmm. and um, the optician's showing him the chart and he says, can you read this line? You know, the optician's chart where they mm-hmm. have all. Yeah, so yeah. He says, can you read this line? He says, read it. I know him. <laughs> really see. What? Yes, it wasn't very good. Oh. I expect better from you. Sorry. <laughs> I'm <emails> now. <laughs> Go on then. Uh, Miss Bubbles. Tom is an idiot. This is headed. I'm always happy with the emails and start with the phrase Tom is an idiot. Um, Cursed, I cannot believe Tom and Helen. Kirsty swears Tom to secrecy about her pregnancy. Tom immediately tells Helen. Sorry, we're not going to go back to the row we've already had about this. Um, I can understand. Less of it. I'll call that a discussion, Lucy. All right. I can understand that he needs to talk to someone, but Roy knew already. Talk to him. Then Tom swears Helen to secrecy and makes a promise not to tell Kirsty she knows. What does she do? She asks Kirsty if she's planning any new projects. <laughs> Kirsty doesn't respond. Helen simply states she knows Kirsty is pregnant. Does Helen know what a secret is? If I was Kirsty, I would hightail it out of Ambridge because she's never going to get away from this. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, Lillian should back slowly away from Justin. Slowly? She should go into fourth gear and roar off, leaving a skid mark, as far as I'm concerned. I don't trust his victim routine. He doesn't let anyone push him around. I can't believe that he adopts such a submissive nature around his wife. I don't know. I he's can. Up, but I don't trust him. I can. That That's pretty standard, really. You can be a total bully and, and an alpha male and um, a total git in every other aspect of your life. But, you know, with your main emotional entanglement, you're different. It's, it's a whole different set of dynamics. Uh, Cosmo here in Cancun Wi-Fi still poor don't care weather better (laughs) really don't care cold gone hurrah writer this week was Mary Cutler he says who was getting a hard time on social media unfairly in my view she has some difficult jobs to handle and here he rattles them off Make Tracy appear attractive to Roy. Make Toby appear not to be completely feckless. Make friends between Rex and Pip. Make Pip the worst portrayed female character. Prove that Justin is pussy whipped. I hate that expression. Demonstrate that Brian can change his mind. Alienate all Jill's family against her in Toby's favour. And bring back Stefan, who has left blackmail a bit late. (laughs) Very true. Uh, She's had a busy week, he says. Justin, by the way, is clearly incapable of signing up to his own wife and wanting his cake and eating it. Wasted millions on Barrow, employed the ineffectual Thomas, took on a co-expert to manage his estates and now agrees a 10% price cut on property of which he's not the owner. Finally, wanting a report on changing contractor when he's gone to huge lengths to get home farm and no-till does not make sense. I despair, Cosmo. Well, if you're going to despair, Cancun is probably the best place to despair, I would say. Uh, Jane Roth. Uh, oh, 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 oh. Just, just before just before you go on and um it's just really just to um emphasize what i was saying before is that there is the writing and then there is the acting and then there is the direction and i don't doubt that um that mary cutler had um you know had a dodgy wicket last week because we, we you know things have obviously uh turned so to speak in terms of you know we had this major plot turn 
you know, Stefan has, has returned back. But also, we we're having more and more of um, Lillian and Freddie, and 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 obviously this is this is kind of going somewhere. And you know, one of the criticisms of the Archers has been, you know, that a lot of the younger characters have been, you know, neglected. So, I think those lines that came out of uh, Freddie and Lily's mouth. I'm not talking about Stefan now. I just think that was just poor all round, to be honest with you. Um, but I, I think those were inelegantly performed, though the writing was lacking also. I, I don't know. I don't know. All I know is that there's three elements. There's the actor, there's, you know, how they're told to deliver it, and then there's actually the, the writing and stuff. And sometimes it's hard to, uh, you know, disentangle you know where the problem actually lies and stuff but you know right. there, there, but there is a problem uh jane roth now who organized the newcastle dumpty dum meetup Ooh. she said uh we had a great laugh discussing all things archers and soon realized a we had our very own cosmo among us in the form of lillian who came all the way from middlesbrough by public transport and is not only a veritable mine of information but also a treasure and b that uh, Mia rivals Harriet for doing all the voices. Honestly, it was one revelation after another and a right laugh. Just imagine our surprise when a bonus attendee turned up in the shape of Deborah, who has never listened to Dumpty Dum, <laughs> but also has encyclopedic lifelong knowledge. And she told us all about going to the Academic Archers thing last year. And the upshot is that they got some more bookings today. Be there or be square. A good time was had by all. So thank you, Lucy and Royford, for making it possible. We all love you, bracket, with the possible exception of Deborah. Well, Deborah, you need to pull your finger out and love us too, otherwise we'll get very <laughs> sulky and rude. Uh, but that's great, and we're very happy. And Royfield and I actually got a little bit emotional, didn't we? Or you did, and then you told me you were, and then that makes me go as well. Uh, when you said about you know them all yeah. getting together, and it's all cause of us. It's very yeah. nice. It's lovely. Um, Melanie Matthews, uh, who begins her email: "It is not community service." She said, I tried leaving you a speak pipe, but I'm living in a motorhome at the moment. Long story. And it's pissing down with rain and the noise was interfering with the voice message. Are you doing grand designs? And you were one of those people that ends up living in a caravan in your own front garden because your property <laughs> has not been developed in time. Um, she thinks she's a Siobhan. Um And she's a probation service officer. Ah, that's like a junior probation officer. We mm. deal with less dangerous twonks like Toby, while the fully fledged probation officers work with evil shitbags like Titchy Knob. <laughs> uh, so you have probably guessed I'm phoning in about Brighton. Firstly, until November, I worked in the Brighton probation office. So if Toby had been on our books, I would have known about it. Secondly, <laughs> he probation in Brighton if he lives in Ambridge. Probation have police officers co-located in their offices to provide them with police intelligence on what the offenders are up to. So they refuse to supervise anyone who doesn't live in their area because it'd be much harder to get that information. They would have transferred into the local Borsetshire probation service, which would be a nightmare because they're all privatised now and it's bloody impossible to get hold of anyone in another area. And when you do, they don't want to take the case unless it's a really easy one because they're all understaffed and it will affect their targets. No, really, I'm not exaggerating, but don't get me started on the stupidity of privatisation and probation and prisons and why I think it's made the public lives more dangerous as well as letting down the offenders who actually want to lead a better life but need a bit of help because I could go on for a very long time and get very shouty, she puts in capital letters. I, for one, would like pull up um, a chair, sit down, get comfy and listen to that rant 
because yeah. I there's some services that should just not be privatized. Yes. Yes. And that's yes. one of them. Yes. You know what? If the state is going to lock somebody up, try and rehabilitate them, punish somebody, whatever, that's the state's job. And profit should not be a motive for an individual doing that job. So I would say rant away, love, you know. But anyway, anyway she carries on. She's not mm. ranting, but she carries on. Anyway, he can't have a tag, Toby, because mm. you are tagged to a certain address. You can't go skipping from Bert's house to Pip's house without G4S coming and messing around with your box. And mm. the tag will go off if you're out of the house after 7 p.m. So you wouldn't have been able to do the panto which might have been a blessing for Pip. And he definitely wouldn't be able to drive down to Brighton in the middle of the night. As for community service, yes, they do do it at weekends. If you have a full-time job, you have to do your community service on a Saturday or a Sunday, but it would have to be every week unless you have a doctor's note. A note from your girlfriend saying he's got a hangover because of all the illegal gin he's been distilling does not cut it. (laughs) But if you are a useless layabout like Toby, you'd be made to do it four days a week unless you could prove that would be detrimental to your career. And clearly Toby wouldn't know a career if it slapped him in the face, though I wish one would. Someone needs to. Well, that's all from me. Thank you for your podcast. I don't use iTunes, but if I did, you'd get five stars from me. Love and hugs. Melanie. We love you, Melanie. Thank you. Oh, uh, Melanie, so, can I just say right, that you actually don't need to use iTunes to write a review. It's a properly held fallacy that that you need to A, have some kind of Apple device and B, use iTunes. You can just go and set up an iTunes account from any internet enabled device and then just go write us a five star review. Just saying. <laughs> just saying. Um, yes, and that's it. Awesome. All right, let's come back to the other Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today side of um, me talking about Friday 15 with a touch of Millie Bell and then we'll after that we'll proceed with some tweets of the week in an uncertain world there is always music which can be listened to in good company welcome to Friday 15 the show where we speak to friends and interesting people to the backdrop of great tunes and allocate 15 minutes to both 
I mean, I was eight years old, interesting, the same age as the uh, Dragon King's daughter when she comes out of the sea. But um, well, what was happening to me when I was eight years old was that I was at the hands of a paedophile in, um, in a classroom for a year. And... Awesome. Yeah. Um, for me, I... Well, and I think the reason that I somehow managed to, to win in the end is that, for me, it's about an economy of the three things that bring a song together. Catch up with me speaking to friends and interesting people every Friday afternoon on Friday 15, which you can get, of course, from a podcatcher of your choice. G'day everyone, uh, I've had a fantastic week down in South Gippsland, uh, Waratah Bay, beautiful little beach with some great company and some great waves, um, I don't surf but there certainly were surfers out there, that was the good news, bad news was we had absolutely no network, so every other day I would walk about 2k's down the beach to see if I could get some a one bar and if I was lucky I could download the arches and maybe post something up on uh, our Facebook forum, so I'm sorry if you didn't get quite the prompting that you would hope for uh, but we did our best in very strange circumstances it was nice to have no technology just for a week though on our Dumpty Dum forum page uh, Fiona Powell started a discussion about Tom called Oh Tom 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 uh, Royfield Brown asked whether Justin Elliott is Shakespearean Mike Hatton pointed out to us that the first right you are of the year was on January 8th because washing there Mike and uh, Ali 1904 talked about the spectrum of coercive behaviour in the archers. On our Facebook page, we did manage to have a bit of a discussion, uh, even though I was basically off uh, off grid most of the time. Should Helen have a conversation with Rob when he is not supposed to have contact with her? Uh, and most people just said no. His decision not to contest the divorce is unlikely to be altruistic. And it appears he's using the leverage he has here to manipulate her again, says Janice Pope. Whilst his past behaviour was not her responsibility, she would benefit to recognise that she needs to maintain very clear boundaries with him and deal with all matters relating to him according to the legal guidelines. While she wants to save some money and hassle during the divorce process, she will emerge stronger if she does it this way. As well as set an example for the children by accepting his gift, she has set a precedent now for the future and won't stop pushing. And it was interesting, Janice, I absolutely agree with you. There's a lot more in that vein, so please go to that thread if you're interested. I think that Helen was trying to prove to herself that she's strong and she can cope with him. But I think from, um, so she was using her hub, she needed to use her head there. I thought that was a... Not a good decision myself, so I agree with you. Was Roy a coward or a hero with Tracy, we wondered. Liz Villalobos, he has moments of seeming quite rational and calm. I'm always shocked. And Laura Jo Elzinger said, yep, coward. Andrew Horn saving himself for his ultimate prize. Kirsty, ooh, bit of premonition there. Pete Ransom, that remains to be seen. Many more in that vein. We then asked whether there was going to, we thought this was the start of the rapprochement between Jill and Toby with the uh, falling off the uh, table incident. And Terry Gardner says, nah, Jill will continue to be an anti, everyone else will be pro, lulled into a false sense that Toby is good and it'll all come undone when we find out about 
Brighton. Well, as some of us have already said, we're already bored with Brighton, so let's hope it doesn't come to that. Uh, Janice Pope also said, not really related, but did anyone else think Jill sounded like E.T. when she was trying to take the cards down? That said, if it was E.T. who took a little tumble, I would have a lot more sympathy. I thought that was so funny. Um, And Sarah Passingham said, I'm reminded of other universally disliked new characters. The artist has history in slowly bringing out the good so the community changes its mind. Not ticking off Natch, but remember how Linda was first received? Actually, I do think that. You're quite right, Sarah. Uh, So, yes, we still need to be kind. And they do seem to give them personality um, changes, don't they? So maybe he's going to get a change. We also talked about the fact that it was the week of the strong women with Jill, Miranda, Pip, Lillian, Kirsty, and we asked the uh, Ambridge Males to look out. Uh, Barb, Danielson said, I like your idea of Kirsty spurning Tom and Roy and raising this child on her own. If anyone can do it, Kirsty can. Ruby Nation, I agree, takes a village to raise a child. On second thoughts, though. And uh, you can uh, consider for yourself what she might have been going to say there. Um, and Jo Jackson-Pip, she's about to realise that she needs her 5000 pounds back so uh despite the fact that i wasn't really around to prompt you you did really well guys um i am back now into um tech land and uh, so let's keep the conversation going don't forget we have um our uh, forum uh, on dumpty dum we have our facebook page we also have tractor on uh the dumpty dum website so let's get on there and make it worth uh royfield's while having paid for the protection so until next week hooray Millie Bell, as always, that was tip top and Bristol fashion. Uh, Lu- Juicy Loose. Yeah. Um, why don't you speed through some tweets? Because do you remember, like about three odd months ago, we said we were going to have yes. like tight shows? Yes. yes. But I've got some edits to suggest to this so I can get literally. <laughs> All right, go. Uh, ben Johnson, who is my other favourite mm-hmm. caller in Aurora. Um, Ruth's note to self. Put the cards on the roof next year. <laughs> uh, Bubbles said, this is the Rob and Stefan. Mm-hmm. Rob, what is this business you want to invest in? Stefan, as it happens, it is an Embridge startup, a distiller of gin. <laughs> <laughs> Ilanthi Rosa said, had Brian saying, I don't want to sound callous, but I am callous. <laughs> yes, that's um, Ian, Ruth or Ian said had Roy saying when Kate was pregnant with Phoebe I'd wonder how simple it'd be go on no that's it Kirsty <laughs> <laughs> uh Alison Nazilla mm-hmm. if Lily is planning a ball at Lower Loxley they'll need to book Torn Scrotum if they're free I think Torn Scrotum <laughs> get very booked up schedule and uh tweet of the week John Kavanagh uh when uh when brian had persuaded jenny to 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 be on his side about the the land grab um he had jenny saying i can't remember the last time i saw you so excited brian probably when you started shagging that irish bint (laughs) (laughs) that was that when 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 jenny said to brian i can't remember the last time i saw you so excited twitter went nuts then it really made me laugh because everyone went ha ha yeah you know it was such a shoo-in uh, to finish the finish this sentence in the most rude way possible. Oh, uh, are you done? Right, I've yes. just got a little bit of an addendum to our general goings on. Remember those map people? Yeah. Right. Uh, they owe. Uh, they they 
emailed us and apologised. Uh, they basically said crumbs they hadn't seen that on december the 13th we'd actually message messaged them with the winners of the address oh they not sent them no so they hadn't sent them <gasps> so andrew horn robert dwyer joyce and glenn fuller love um your maps are in now in the post uh not our fault we did send them off to marvelous maps marvelous maps have said oh my god we're so sorry we didn't see this um but uh basically said they are uh getting dispatched here so oh. sorry you didn't get them for Christmas, but at naughty, least... Naughty, naughty, mappy people. Yeah, 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 yeah. So sorry about that, uh, gentlemen. Oops. Um, right, now, should we just crack on with uh, doing uh, our bits and pieces at the end, Juicy Loose? Yes. All right, smashing. Uh, com. It's up. It's still up. Uh, we've got a shop there. <laughs> got for Tractor. I like the way we have to add in the thing. <laughs> we haven't come down this week. <laughs> well, oh. no, I'm getting a whole plethora just... of stats about uptime and threats blocked and all sorts. And uh, I tell you what, I'll be threatening them if it ever goes down again, I tell you. Right. Um, and I know... <laughs> <laughs> and I know there are a couple of listeners who have emailed me to say they can actually help with stuff. Um, and um, I'm going to, uh, I will get back to you. So j- just bear with me, but it'll be next week. So uh, com. go there, got a shop, said all of that. Tractor. I keep on saying every week that not only do you need to pin yourself to, to tractor folks, but we'll talk about our clusters. Uh, but uh, maybe that will be next week. Uh, but, you know, uh, be warned, uh, if you're clustering, uh, I'm going to be pointing the finger at you uh, very soon and saying, why don't you organise a get together like the lovely people up in Newcastle did? Because they had oodles of fun. Now, um, our little show is something that Lucy and I do for love. Uh, but uh, we do need help and assistance every now and then. And there are a couple of ways in which you can help and assist us. Uh, firstly, you can do this by hitting the donate button, which is on our website, which is up, folks. It is up. Or you can go on to patreon.com. And a uh, special thank you to all the new patrons that are coming through at the moment. Um, why don't you read out the next bit, Lucy? Uh, is it about the academic archers? It is. Okay. Um, the academic archers... Uh, I don't know what to call it. Symposium uh, is on between the 17th and the 19th of February at the University of Lincoln. Um, and it's excellent. A lot of fun. And you'll meet a lot of uh, archersy type people, which is always a bonus. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as listening to Lucy and I and the various caller in. Oh, hang on. How do people find out? Who do people contact? Oh, you know you? what? It's, it, if you type in Academia Archers onto uh, the great Freya thing. Darman knows about it, yeah. doesn't she? But if you yeah. just kind of just kind of Google it, it kind of comes up. They do okay. have a page on Facebook, but I know not everybody on the planet is actually on Facebook. So just type in Academic Archers into Google. That's what I did to actually get, get the dates for, for this uh, today. And it... It comes up because the internet works like that. Uh, now, folks, we need you to help us to create this show. And to do that, you can send us a voice message via SpeakPipe. Uh, you can go and speak by on our website. It's a little red kind of tabby buttony thing over on the right hand side. Or you can call us from a telephone on 0203031305 to leave us a message. That way you can get on the phone and you can talk about whatever you want to talk about. 
though we prefer that calls are kind of about the archers, archers related, <laughs> leading lead lead with the archers at the very least, before then you go off into a kind of rambling sprawl about whatever, about, you know, Theresa May and hard Brexit or something or other. You know, link it to the archers first before you go into your polemic, and then you'll probably end up by getting on the show. Um, on social media, specifically Twitter, uh, you can find us where we're at Dum Dum Me. I'm at Royfield. Harriet, the woman of a thousand and one Archers voices, you can find her on Shambridges. Uh, and I am at Lucy V. Freeman. On the Book of Face, where we now officially, absolutely, by the last count, have over 1,500 like a lurkers. Uh, you can find us by simply typing in Dum Dum. And uh, much fun and hilarity is had on there. Uh, around that um, Facebook page. Hmm. Uh, Juicy Loose. Yes. Um, any end comments? No. Uh, did you listen to King George III singing in Hamilton at the end of the podcast last week? No. Oh, for crying out loud. <laughs> sorry. A lovely listener. Oh, oh, I've done a thing for you. Oh, sorry. You carry on about the lovely listener. Um, a lovely listener did say on the Twitters that her two favourite things had collided last week. And lovely... Oh, yes, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. dum de dum and Anne Hamilton. And, um, but no, King George III, it's, it's a lovely kind of uh, very clever song and where he talks about um, what it takes to lead and, you know, you'll miss me when I've gone type of thing, blah, 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 blah. And I thought as a fitting way to end, uh, you know, our, our podcast. But, yeah. of course, that was lost on you because after your monologue, you just switch off, don't you? Right, no, let's listen to me. I didn't listen. I don't... Oh. No, I don't listen to my own monologue. Yeah, you do. Yeah, no, I just I want to listen to my delivery. Oh, I don't. Um, listen, though. Go on. I had to do a quiz for... Write a quiz for BBC Radio 4 mm-hmm. about, um, about um, the inauguration... Yeah. ...of Donald Flump and... Trump. Flump, I prefer, and he uh, and and it's a quiz about lots of trivia about mm. uh, inaugurations throughout history. So you should do it because you'll get it all right. No, I won't. I don't know an awful lot about inaugurations at all. I don't you? No, 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 no. Do you know what I found out? I'll give away the last. Go on. Thing. Um, every inauguration, they get a local uh, school orchestra mm-hmm. um, that plays. Uh, to accompany the inauguration. And guess how many um, will be playing at Trump's inauguration? I have no idea. None, because no schools volunteered. Oh, wow. Yep. If that's not a damning indictment, I don't know what is. If a school doesn't want to be on national television. You know what, though? Though, I forget exactly what the figures were. But the figures in terms of the... Because obviously the inauguration happens in Washington, D.C. And Washington, D.C. is overwhelmingly democratic. Yeah. It's so skewed demographic as to be preposterous. Yeah. You'd almost think yeah. it's like Soviet-style election yeah. results yeah. that uh, viewed from that prism... There are two Republicans in Washington. Yeah. <laughs> you know, And they know each other, yeah. Well, that's that's like Trump and, and his vice president. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, when viewed that way, it's you could, you could argue that it's no surprise that um, the school system in, in, in D.C., which is a, a kind of blighted kind of school system, 
um, is going to be absolutely against this uh, right-wing populist. However, they've always turned up to all the other Republican presidents that have been inaugurated at the same time. So you can argue what, 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 one of two ways. But yeah. Mm, yeah. It's, uh, George Bush Sr. has been taken to hospital. Oh, crumbs. Oh, imagine if he dies on Inauguration Day. Mm. That will not... You know, it does... Not that I'm willing the poor chap dead, no, obviously. I'm no, just no, thinking... A- absolutely of, not. He'd but be it... so cross if it, if, it, if it took the focus off him. How old is he? About 92? I don't know. Yeah, he's, he's pretty... Why don't you just Google that while I just waffle on for a bit? But he is kind of the last link uh, between... Um, American presidents and the Second World War in that he served and I believe he was a pilot uh, but he was absolutely decorated and even though he was born with a silver spoon in his mouth um, I suppose our equivalent would be you know a one nation Tory I know I bang on about them all the time that I don't have problems with with one nation Tories Uh, but um, you know in in hindsight you look in the rear view mirror of of history um, he, he was somebody who absolutely did believe that um, he was serving all Americans and uh, was absolutely a statesman and was very careful uh, with the language that, that he used uh, not to be exclusive. And, and, and you just put somebody like him who absolutely has served his country um, in a military capacity up against somebody like Trump, who absolutely was a, was a draft dodger. Uh, He's 92. That was right. He's 92. Yeah. Yeah, good bloke, yeah. George W. Bush. And um, people always forget that um, he went up against Reagan in the 1980 election and everybody thought he was going to win, that, you know, Reagan was this kind of outsider candidate. And um, it's very, very, very interesting. There's a, um, a clip on YouTube which people should listen to if they have a mild interest in American politics. Uh, type of the 1980 US presidential election, immigration. It's a debate, uh, TV debate, with Bush and Reagan talking about immigration. And the, the language used is just unrecognisable, let alone the fact they're actually Republicans. But even Reagan is saying, well, if somebody wants to come here, we should we should let them come because you know immigrants work hard. We need immigrants to help build the country. All countries need a, a level of uh, a good, healthy level of immigration. You know, and we should let people have a pathway to citizenship. You know, you we we listen to you listen to somebody like Trump who doesn't actually intone too much of Reagan, but definitely the Republican Party. He says, we're the heirs of Reagan, and Reagan was the best thing since sliced bread. He's the best president since since Lincoln, etc., etc. And you realise how that party has had this massive rightward lurch, even after Reagan. Because, you you know, you listen to words yeah. that came, came out of Reagan's mouth then, talking about immigration. And they would say he was a lily-livered liberal right now. Right. But with Ronald Reagan with a debate with George W. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Bush, and they agreed. They were not arguing that immigration was anything other than a positive thing. You know, it's quite quite amazing. Anyway, I'm going to say goodbye. Okay. Goodbye. <laughs>